the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 152 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend with us. We're on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call us, plug it, or, or to put the plugs out there, I'm at Justin Hughes 365. Andrew is at AMCQ82, and the Baseball Pod official account is at Baseball365Pod. It is part two of our discussions on each division in the league. In this episode, Andrew and I are going to be discussing some questions about each team in the NL East. Some will be baseball-related, others fantasy baseball-related. When I say baseball, like the business end or free agency or just the real-life game, some will be talking about, you know, fantasy baseball implications for some of these guys, too. All right, Andrew, we're going to get you on here, and your NFBC draft is still going on. And how far along are you now? We are in round 36. Okay, so you're pretty, you're you're getting far, pretty far into this at this point. Yeah, thirty six. So you have fourteen picks left. Now you're just trying to find at bats or innings. At this point, it's moving. Uh, it's moving pretty slow. But I I just I don't really care. You know, I'm just digging into all these guys, especially these later ones. And yeah, it's been fun. I'm I'm guessing this last part will move quicker because. The clock cuts in half at round 31, so the last 20 rounds, the clock's two hours instead of four. Oh, that will keep it moving. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I picked a random number again for you to go find a pick uh, that's been made, and today I picked pick number 237, so I guess that would be the 16th round near the end of the 16th. Who went pick 237? 16th round, pick 237, Justin Turner. Justin Turner, he's a yeah. I think he's a oh gee. We just did Boston. Is did I say he was a free agent? I want to say he was. You know what? I think he might be. I am not a hundred percent. I'm but, trying to pull him up right now to see. Yes, he is a free yeah, agent. Yeah, he way. is. Yeah, yep. Be interesting on him. I would think. Yeah, he'll probably end up on some contender. So yeah, yeah. I like that pick. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind. I've always been a fan of him. I, the main, the main thing is I, I, I just always wonder, and I probably overthink it, but I always wonder with guys like that if if they might just retire. Yeah, you know, I, I obviously I, I think he's still good enough to play, but at that age without a contract, I don't know. I could just see, not necessarily him, but guys like that just hanging it up, and I tend to really think about that early on and then once they're signed i'm way more likely to draft them so he might be one that i'm not touching until that happens but it's not like i hated the pick or anything i that just triggered a memory for me from the rotomasters draft and hold i did uh we did i did two years ago it was my only league i had during the 2022 season because afterward not too long afterwards i stepped away but in that draft, you asked me if I recall it, I think I drafted 10 or 11 players that were not signed out of my 50. <laughs> and one of them was my starting third baseman or corner infield. I waited on the position. I think it was third baseman. And my starting third baseman I drafted was Kyle Seeger, who went yeah, on to retire. Right. And, and yeah, like I remember that. Later. So that's a very yeah. fair point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, too, when once they sign, 
it's not like they shoot way up necessarily either. So yeah, it's just a thing for me that I think about typically, but it's very fair with him. All right. So we've had the LCS going on the league championship series, and uh, we'll just briefly touch on these before we get into talking about the national league East. Uh, The ALCS was tied two to two going into Friday today, as we're recording odd thing about this series is that, the road team has won every game um, after even after t- um, the Friday game. Seems surprising at first, but Andrew, did you know about this Astros home roads reverse splits that they have? I didn't until watching, I think it was game two of the ALCS when they were losing. Houston's been a sub-500 team at home this year, and I sent the picture, the screenshot of it in the notes. Did you Did you know about this? No, I did not. I'm looking at it now, 39 and 42 at home. For a division winner, you have a losing record at home and you go 51 and 30 during the regular season in OA. You just don't see that often. Yeah, they had the same home record as the Pittsburgh Pirates. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. It's funny, yeah. So Texas won the first two in Houston, and then Houston went on and won all three of them in Texas. Game five on Friday was an exciting one with, um, I think they were up two to, or Houston was up two to one, and Adolis Garcia hit a three-run bomb. I think it was a sixth inning on Verlander, and some fireworks ensued, not like on his next at bat when he got drilled with a guy on first, and he ended up getting ejected. Dusty Baker got ejected um, along with, uh, I think it was it Hector Neris pitching? Right. I think Brian Abreu. Abreu, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And so all that happened. And then in the ninth inning, as they were, the Rangers still had that two run lead, Jose Altuve did it again. Three run blast. And now the Houston Astros have a 3 2 lead going back home. They got to win one, but. Uh, the Astros, they just we they 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 don't die. Yeah, just can't kill them. They've been <laughs> they've been great. The minute you the minute you count them out, they. I never truly counted them out, but you know, two zero lead going home. I mean, got to feel good if you're Texas, and yeah, bam, three in a row. Now they got to go back on the road and try to win two more. That's yep. Has this been the most competitive um, series so far in the postseason? I mean, it's kind of weird to say. I mean in one way, but what are your, what are your thoughts on this? I series? think so. Yeah, I think so. Pretty yeah. balanced and hopefully goes seven. Eovaldi and Framber, I think game six. So we'll see. Yeah. Texas bats. Come on. Got to, got to get to Framber again. They beat him first time. Yeah. Yeah. Framber's been, I feel like he's wearing down and Eovaldi's been great. So Texas got a real chance, a real shot to get it to game seven. So we'll see. Then if you can do that, it's anybody's game. Yeah. So um, over to the NLDS. Right now, Philly's up 2-1. They were crushing at home in the first two games, beating up Gallon and Merrill Kelly. And then Brandon Fott came in during Game 3, and he shut him down. Philly eventually scored a run off a wild pitch in Game 3 when he came out of the game. But Arizona quickly tied it and walked it off in the ninth inning. I missed the late part of the game. I saw the highlights this morning. I had a softball game last night, but... That looked like a fun one, and um, as we're recording, Game Four is going on. I think right now Philly's up four to two, so they're in position to take a three-one lead. But any big takeaways from this series so far? No, not really. I, 
I feel like Phillies are going to get it done, but we'll see how many games it goes. Um, do you remember the last time we had the exact same World Series matchup two years in a row? I think I know, but I'm still not even certain. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know for sure. I I'm thinking there was one around like 98, 99, 2000, but maybe there was one more recent than that. I don't know, though, off the top of my head, no. I can tell you for sure, like I, I'm going off of my memory, I remember 2000 on pretty well, and it yeah. has not happened since then. Okay. Um, Yankees Atlanta is my, my guess, guess. Yeah, that that's a good guess. I want to say 95, 96. Yeah, is that it, right? And no, 95, the Braves won. My guess is 90, but... When did the they, when did they beat my, the Yankees? They beat the Yankees, though, right? No, they beat the uh, Cleveland Indians in that one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, then the Yankees, Yankees went on their run. Yeah, like, yep. Ninety six to ninety eight. I think they three peated, right? Something like that. Or the Marlins won somewhere in there. Ninety seven. Yeah, Marlins won in ninety seven. It was ninety eight, ninety nine. I think they beat the Braves both of those years. Ninety eight, yeah. ninety nine. I'd have to go yeah. look, but I think that's the last. They could have. Uh, Padres were in there. I think Padres were in there. Yeah, I think so. We're oh, both man. not a hundred percent, but well, the, the Yankees three peated in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think it was 98, 99, 2000, but the Padres I'm pretty sure was 98. Hmm. Um, look it up. I'm looking at it right now. Last world series. Rematch. 19, 1998 world series. Okay. This is, this is great for the listeners. Hey, <laughs> they're probably all looking it up as we are too. So, yeah, Yankees, Padres. Okay, well, and it, it, let's see. Last team to repeat. Last team to oh well. Either way, it's back far enough. We can't remember for sure. So that's yeah. It's been a yeah, while. It's been a lot. It's definitely been a while. Um, the one question I was going to ask you that I didn't put in the notes, Brandon Fott, you know, I saw a lot of um, commotion about him last night after he went out and had that start. A lot of people who were thinking maybe this guy could be a sleeper and somebody you can get late. We've talked about his guest to ADP, but do you think a start like that last night, let's just say that's his last start of the series. Do you think with this that it's going to boost him up like significantly? I mean, it's it's not going to lower him, you know. I, <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, possibly. I'd be curious to see, but yeah, I would think probably does. That's going to push him up some. I'm curious, and as somebody who, I I don't know, I I'm still kind of in between on him. I hope he doesn't shoot up too much from this because I could see myself being interested, but I also could see him getting enough helium where I'm on the other boat. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be in. I kind of hope he shoots like way up, but we'll see. Okay. Let's move on into the divisions and we got the NL East. We're going to be talking about today and I'm going in alphabetical order and we're going to start off with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Major League best 104 wins and 58 losses this year. Um, Alex Anthopoulos set this team up for the long a long run of success when 
looking back, it was in 2019 he signed Acuna and Albies within like a couple months of each other to long team-friendly deals. And sure enough, they've been in the playoffs for six straight seasons now. And I don't it's hard to see that changing anytime in the next few years. Looking up the looking it up, Acuna is signed through 2028, so they still have him for another five seasons after this one. Assume that is assuming Atlanta chooses to pick up his seventeen million dollar club options in twenty seven and twenty eight. Think that's gonna happen, Andrew? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might happen. Yeah. They might have already picked him up <laughs> just as a goodwill gesture for him signing that deal. But that's not it. Ozzy Albies signed through twenty twenty seven and that's but that's assuming Atlanta chooses to pick up his seven million dollar club options in twenty six and twenty seven at seven million dollars. I mean, geez, these two deals. I mean, we said it when they signed them. I remember us all talking about it. It's like, well, Atlanta just set them up, um, set themselves up for success. And I mean, it doesn't stop with them two. Austin Riley, I didn't even remember. He signed all the way through 2032 with a club option in 2033. And Matt Olson signed through 2029 with a 2030 club option. So, Usually, like when we did this last week, my first question was, "What does this team need to do to, uh, like, how does this team improve from last year? Or can they get back here?" But, um, I think I'm going to ask it different this way. I'm going to say, "Is this the most set up team for now and the future of any team in baseball?" You know, I thought of teams in contention. I I thought of the Dodgers just because they're always in it. They've they they always have a deep system. The Orioles are this incredibly good up and coming team. The Reds, but would you put them number one? Yeah, yeah, I would put them number one just in terms of longevity and being relevant every season. Doesn't mean they'll win the championship. I mean, they may not win any championship. I mean, I know they won a couple of years ago, but. Going forward, they may they may not, but they're going to be right there with a shot every single season. Yeah, it's like the Atlanta Braves from you know ninety one to two thousand five or whatever that run was. It's just it feels like that in terms of just a long run of success for them. Even though that said, that run in ninety one to two thousand five is so much more impressive because over half of that four teams were the only making the playoffs. So. That was yeah. that was just an incredible run, but this this is a special run there. Um, I was talking about spot track and the business end of baseball, and I I put it out there that if anybody had a good site for a better understanding of the financial end of things, let me know. And our buddy Derek Ambrose he sent me a link that's in ba- uh, baseball perspectives. If anybody wants to see it, if you search up the word caught c o t like Cots baseball contracts. Um, if you search that in a toolbar, the first thing that'll pop up is that this website in baseball prospectus. And there it projects arbitration totals for each player and shows what the projected opening day pre- payroll for next year will be. So going forward, I'm going to be using that site. And thanks again, Derek, because it was great. Um, anyways, Base, uh, the Braves projected opening day payroll right now is 173 million. Last year it was 203 million on opening day, so they have 30 million extra you could say to spend if they were just wanting to be even with last year. Um, 
looking at their notable free agents that are off the board, we got Charlie Morton. He has a $20 million club option. So if they picked up that's that up, that's 20 to 30 million right there. Eddie Rosero's got a $9 million club option. And then it's like Colin McHugh, Kirby Yates, Pierce Johnson, Joe Jimenez, Brad Hand. So mostly it's Rosario, Morton, and relievers. And honestly, that doesn't seem like a lot to fill. And that makes sense given what we've talked about what, earlier about all these guys being locked up. So my next question for you, if you're Anthopolis, are you picking up that $20 million club option for Morton? Or do you might go look and see what other free agent arms are out there before you and can, you know, check and see maybe you can always sign Morton afterwards. And before I answer that, Morton this year he gave um, the Braves 163 innings, went 14 and 12, 364 ERA, 183 strikeouts, 66 walks. I want to say he's like 38 or 39 years old now, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would pick it up. I think I would explore other avenues, and yeah, I, I would think that there's a better, a better deal out there than that. Maybe you re-sign him, like you said, after you after you look around. But um, yeah, I just feel like Morton's kind of on the decline, and makes sense given his age. But I think I'd be looking elsewhere. And you know, right now their current rotation locks for next year are Strider and Freed, and you know Kyle Wright's already out for the year, so they've got a a few holes they could fill to where. Like looking at the list of free agents, you might be able to go out there and buy a couple of these guys and get maybe two pitchers for twenty five million as compared to Morton for twenty and yeah. a couple of these guys. Like I, I went down the list and some of these guys I think have options or something like that, but players who could be free agents this year is like Alex Cobb, Flaherty, Giolito, Kyle Hendricks, your boy, uh, Kershaw, Lance Lynn, Kenta Maeda. Frankie Montas, Jordan Montgomery, Aaron Nola, Paxton, Blake Snell, Stroman, and Waka. So there's there's a few arms out there. Nothing, no, none of the huge names. I mean, Trevor Bauer's out there too. I mean, I don't know if that one's coming. He's even coming back to the country or not. But anyways, they've got a there's options out there, and then they do have guy like they've got a a lot of guys that have been up and down this year. AJ Smith, Shawer. Um, Hurston Waldrop actually is a, you know, who was in the draft this last year. I, a lot of people think he'll be up this next year. Winans, Dylan Dodds, Soroka, Vines. So they got a few options there. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. Moving on. Atlanta has been pretty aggressive with prospect arms and getting them there quickly to the majors, as I was just talking about. And Smith Shaver. He um was the first. Oh, I'm sorry. Smith Shavers shot up to the majors this last year after being drafted, and then Waldrop, like I just mentioned, he went from low A to triple A after being drafted. Um, so my question, you know, I th- I do think he's going to be up this next year, and like, do you think he could be even be up by like the end of May? Because we've seen this happen the last year or two. Talking about Waldrop, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought this guy up because this is one of my guys this season. Yeah. In draft and hold um, season and draft and holds. So I took him in this draft 
And I kind of, I mean, various reasons. For one, the Braves rotation, as, as good as the Braves are, and the Braves are loaded, and they're going to be totally fine because they've got Strider and Freed, who, like you said, are locks. And then they've got three open slots that could go to a multitude of guys. There's tons of guys. They could, they could they'll probably sign one. They may re-sign Morton. They've got kids. There's, there's options galore. They're, they'll figure it out. Um, the way that I kind of look at it with this team is whoever's in that rotation, kind of said this about the Dodgers in the past, but whoever's in this rotation, you're going to want. And I think Waldrop is a really good combination, at least right now, of under the radar – he threw between Florida. So he's, for anybody who doesn't know, first-round pick for the Braves this past draft um, out of Florida. And between college and the minors this past year, he threw 131 innings. And in his brief pro stint, like once he was drafted, he threw – one start at low A, three starts at high A, three starts at double A, and one start at triple A. What does that tell me? That tells me coming up they're quick. moving him up quickly. They're, he's coming up quick. Um, the Braves are really smart. And if you kind of – like right now on roster resource, their projected three, four, five in the rotation is Bryce Elder, A.J. Smith-Shaver, and Mike Soroka. Uh, those guys are fine. Like there's not, I don't think they're bad or anything, but they're also guys that aren't like cemented in there. You know, like their three, four, five to me is pretty open game. Yeah. Those, are those guys could all be triple a guys. Right. Right. Like they could be up and down in and out. Whoever's hot is in there. Whoever isn't is out of there. You know, like that's kind of how I look at this right now. And it, it reminds me a little bit, of last year, how I felt about Tanner Bybee and Gavin Williams, where I just knew that they were better than the back end of the rotation guys. And that was why I was, I was targeting them in late, late, late in my drafts. Um, and I don't, it's not exactly the same because I, I do think that Smith Shaver and Soroka specifically can be good. Like they could be in the rotation and be good. But they also could not be, and I don't think that they're guys that are going to have an extremely long leash or anything like that. So, yeah, I just kind of look at it with Waldrip like he's going late, um, at least right now. And and I'll say this. I think that Waldrip is a guy that could shoot way up. Mm-hmm. Like we could, get to, we could get to March and he could be going in the top 250. I mean, if there's any kind of noise of him being in this rotation, and there may not be. But at least right now, like where I took him in this draft is the latest I'll take him this whole offseason. It's only going to go up because I'm willing even now to just take him a little higher than I did. And I, I could see myself taking him for a while until he really shoots up. But there's no guarantees, obviously. I mean, I know that there's there's no guarantees, but first round pick that's moved up and has pitched well. He's had... He had some issues with walks and stuff at Florida, but Mm -hmm. he's got a devastating split change. They've compared it to Kevin Gosman's. I mean, 
I think that there's an off chance he's their number three starter next year. And 130 innings this past season, I mean, I'm not really worried about workload. Nope. You know, I, I think the workload could be there. So, yeah, all that to say, I'm, I'm definitely interested in him, at least right now, probably will be for a while, um, specifically in redraft, dynasty, FYPDs. I mean, he's going to go high either way, but um, obviously he's a pitcher, so they all tend to end up breaking at some point. But, yeah, Brett, right team, talent, like it's all kind of there to me. Just got to get him up to the majors. But I think there's going to be an opening for him at some point, if not maybe right away. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, I don't think it'll be too far into the year. I agree. End of May for sure. I mean, he, he yeah. could easily be one of those guys that's up a couple weeks into April. Maybe they even just throw, I mean, or opening day. So the million-dollar question, you answered a lot of my questions, and you said a whole lot of things. But the one thing I was looking for, you almost said, but you didn't. Where did you take him in this draft? I took him in round 32. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I took him right after Brady Singer and right before Javier Assad, just as in terms of uh, starting pitchers, yep. just to give you an idea of where it was at. But Yep. I'm with you on it. I'm in on him too. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think I would be willing to draft, or I know I would be willing to draft him higher than that. How much higher? We'll see. I mean, we could get to March and it could be if the helium just – Shoots, you know how it is. Like mm-hmm. for example, uh, what's his name? Who was the Dylan Dodd and Jared Schuster? Oh, those geez. were the guys. Those I were the guys this past about. year. But they, but they shot way up, you know. And that's because they're Braves, and they were going to be in the rotation. Now, granted, they didn't work out, but I think it's pretty fair to say that Waldrop has more talent than those guys, and. Yeah, I mean, I could just see it getting to March, and there's any kind of noise on that. It's going way up. So I, I'd like to get my shares now before it, it really does. But And, you know, like I said, maybe it doesn't do exactly that. But, yeah, I'm definitely in on him right now. Yep, I am too. Um, I love that. We're going to take a break. And while we're on break, I'm going to go quickly look because I'm so curious. I did a draft and hold right before the season began. I want to know where Jared Schuster went. Real real, real quick you got before the else? break. I just want to say, too, if you like – I feel similarly about a lot of these Braves guys. If you don't want Waldrop, you like Smith Shaver, or you like even Soroka, like whoever your guy, there's going to be, there's openings in this rotation. And I think that they'll probably sign somebody, but there's still openings, you know? So if you can hit on that fourth starter, that fifth starter in that rotation and they can stick that's like league winner potential, Gold. you know, for, yeah, for a team like that. Because, you know, you're just so set up. Well, we know what the Braves do. I mean, we, they win. They Their pitchers just seem to outdo what they what you would expect. So any of the any of their guys really are going to be interesting if if they're in the rotation. So I I was while you said that I was able to pull up my final draft and hold. He was taken on March twenty second. So we're a week before the season begins. Jared Schuster, he actually didn't go as early as I would have guessed. He went round 25. Now, that said, Schuster, like, Waldrop's got a lot more. Well, I mean, I could play twofold with that. Schuster was pitching amazing and had all kinds of helium in the spring training. Yeah, Waldrop's a first-round pick, a bigger name right now. 
than Schuster was at this point last year. So if but if Waldrop's out there dominating in spring training, yeah, he's going to get that same helium. Yeah, I took I took Schuster in my main actually in round eighteen, and Schuster was a first round pick at one time too. Was he? Yeah, he was their first round pick in twenty twenty. Okay, well, that's even there. So maybe maybe Waldrop won't shoot up quite as high as I was thinking, but I don't know. I guess it all just depends on what we're hearing in spring. Yeah, yeah, it's all going to come down to that. Yep. All right, well, we're not going to come back from break and talk about Jared Schuster now, but we are going to talk about the Miami Marlins here in just a second. Be right back. All right, the Miami Marlins finished last year 84-78, and got into the wild card, bounced um, and two games later they were gone and my first question for you Sandy Alcantara he's gone um was it Tommy John I don't even remember if it was yeah yeah it was Tommy John I I knew he was out for the year how hard is it going to be for them to replace him and be able to make the playoffs this next year yeah it's it's tough he didn't have the best season but he's such a horse you know goes deep into games and throws a lot of pitches and gives the bullpen time off. And a lot of their guys are really talented, but they don't do that. That's a good point. So yeah, it's going to be tough trying to pull up Alcantara. I know he threw 200 or 220 in 2022. How many did he throw this last year? I guess it was down to 184 in the 28 starts, but yeah, you're right. He's just so good at going deep into games, and there is something to that, especially getting through the regular season. That's a good point. Yeah. All right, so Miami has a lot of rotation arms still for opening day next year. They got Jesus Lazardo, Yuri Perez, Braxton Garrett, Edward Cabrera, Trevor Rogers, and then they even have Max Meyer, who should be ready to go coming off of having Tommy John surgery last year and you know, he'll have had a full year and a half, almost two years before opening day. Um, the 2024 opening day payroll for the Miami is $100 million with arbitration money projected in there. And that's already $7.5 million more than they spent last year. Now, a big piece of that is Josh Bell, who has a $16.5 million player option for 2024 that he can decide on. Josh hit 270 with 11 home runs in 53 games after that Marlins trade when he was sent there right at the deadline. But I wouldn't be surprised if the team is hoping he opts out of that, just knowing how their how their mindset is with their payrolls and stuff and how they, they run a very tight ship there. But they do have other guys that are notable free agents this offseason. Jorge Soler's got a $9 million player option. Uh, Johnny Cueto, which Soler just had another good year, so he could he could. I w- it wouldn't surprise me to see him opt out of that and try seeing if he can get himself a three or four year deal there, at least a two or three year deal. Um, Johnny Cueto's got a ten and a half million dollar club option. I can't imagine that's picked up. And yes, that does count towards the hundred million I mentioned earlier. Matt Barnes has a nine million dollar club option that will not be picked up. And then Joey Wendell and Yuli Gurriel are their other free agents so after saying all that uh, my next question i got for you on the team is jazz chisholm 
He needed only one home run to go 20-20 this year. He had 19 homers and 22 steals, and that was only in 97 games played. Where did he go in your current draft? And kind of what are your thoughts on that spot? I want you to guess. What do you think? Sixty-four. I was going to say I posted the board, so it's not even fair. I, I uh, don't know. Uh, he went in the middle, the dead middle of round four. Ooh. So fifty-three. Okay. Yeah, so fifty-three. Yeah, the very the teammate right in the middle. Okay. What are your thoughts um, on that price? Outfield, outfield only. Yep. Which is different than last season. What was he this year? He was second base and maybe outfield going into the year. Yeah, I forget he if definitely he definitely played outfield last year. Well, no, this he played outfield this whole season. Yes. This but I'm saying going into the season, I'm he not did. sure if he if he was second base short or outfield or not. But he either was. way, um Oh, I don't know. I don't uh, it's one of those that I get it, but I just I don't know if I'll be in on it. Uh, he, he's one of the few that I I really do think you have to ding him for health. Yeah, I, I just I just don't I I just don't think that I can't envision him staying healthy for a whole season. But it's clear as day. Like the other thing is, is if you don't. If you are buying into jazz, or even if you're not buying into jazz and you're just wanting to hear the counterpoint, him going, what did you say it was? Ni- I know it was 1922. How many games? 97. 97. If you get just that and the rest is replacement, like you obviously you have somebody else in for the remaining mm-hmm. 60 games, um, that's pretty good <laughs> still, yep. you know? So. That's the old Stanton I don't know. judge it's argument hard. that we made three years ago. It's hard for me to hate it because if that turns into 120 games, 130 games, I mean, I don't know. I I, th- I do think it's going to be difficult for him to get the games in, but per game, he's awesome. Like he's it's he's awesome. So yeah, it, you have to think of it in the mindset of it's Jazz plus replacement. And, you know, you just hope that he doesn't have the season where he hit, plays like 40 games. But, I mean, that stuff is really unpredictable. So I get people that are chasing him. Um, and outfield only, I don't know if it'll be me. Might be one of those where I have one or two shares, but I don't think I'm going to be have a ton of him. So You and I have talked a lot about wanting to make sure we have plenty of arms. These draft and holds, it's all about just drafting arm after arm after arm. The multi-position bats help you not have to put as many hitters on the bench. And I say all that to say if I was to do a draft and hold and early on I took Jazz Chisholm in the fourth or fifth round, whatever my goal of bats to to arms is going into that draft, I would add one more to my bat if I drafted Jazz. I would just go on and plan on, okay, I've got to take one more bat than I would plan on it just because he has such a track record of injuries. I think that's the way I'd look at it in a draft if I was to choose to take Jazz. Yeah, it's going to be very divisive with him because 
it is. It's like on the one hand, it's extreme production in those games that he plays, mm-hmm. but there are people that will just be like, he's hurt too much, you know? So. And I get both. Yeah. Sides. I kind of, I yeah, I kind of fall somewhere in between and, um, I could see it being one where, like I said, where I get him in one or two leagues, but I'm also not like heavily invested. I, I won't be heavily invested. I'm pretty certain of that. I think we're in almost the exact same spot on him. I, I kind of, I feel very similar in terms of, yeah. I get it. Not, we're going to be chasing it. I don't think, but I also am not saying I won't take him. Yeah. All right. I, I would definitely be more interested if he was second base outfield. That'd be still. nice. Cause that's, that's a nice flex and we'll get into this at some point, but um, I'm not a big fan of second base. Yeah. I, I, it's I, uh, going through this draft. I'm kind of like notice. Yeah. That. It's one of those, it's one of those positions that I think I'm going to probably want to target early. I didn't get it too early in this draft and I kind of wish I did. So that may be a thing I change up. Well, there's this guy named Mookie Betts who can play there now, but we'll talk about him. Yeah. Another day. Yeah, he's pretty good. All right, so last question I have for you on the Marlins. I just did a straight-up him or him with two pitchers that are pretty electric, and that is Jesus Lazardo and your boy, Yuri Perez. Who would you rather have straight up between them two? Yeah, I'd take, I would take Yuri. Uh, I think there's – I think they're close. Uh, I think that – they actually were really similar this season in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lazardo obviously threw more innings, but but I think that, like, just my opinion, I think that there's a world where Yuri is like the best pitcher on the planet. I think that that ceiling is there. I don't think that's there with Lazardo at all. Um, and I'm not saying that Yuri will even get to that, but I think he could. He's 20 years old. And dominant. So, yeah, I would I would go Yuri for sure, but um, I think it's one way. I think their ADPs will be pretty close. And I I think Lazardo probably throws more innings next year too. But per inning, there's just not too many pitchers that I'd rather have per inning than Yuri. I'll say this about Lazardo: small body guy who's broken down a lot, and the previous few seasons, 100 innings, 95, 59. I, actually, I didn't check and see. Is that count? Let's move minor league in here. Did he throw hardly any? No, hardly. Yeah, he threw. He's he's not really like 178 was a big jump for him throwing that this year. Yeah. It, like, I could see myself like pitchers in that area, maybe just like going past him. And being just a little wary just because I've seen him break down so much over the years. I had him in a dynasty league. He just always seemed to be getting hurt. And a little, you know, not the biggest guy. I don't know. I I could see myself not being in on him this year. So, yeah, I think I'd go Yuri also. I mean, Yuri's tiny and doesn't have a lot. In the, like, has, here's, here's a question for you. How many? And I don't. I don't think you're as high on Yuri as I am. I'm so not. I could answer this, but I don't even know my answer. I guess I just thought of it. But how many pitchers would you trade Yuri for in Dynasty? Strider. I have to look at a list. Yeah, it Strider. Would... Strider for sure. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you give me a him or him game. Let's see where I land. Cole? Yeah. I'm taking Cole. Uh, Luis Castillo? I'm taking Castillo. Ugh, I don't know. Man. Right there, I'm hesitating. And I get it. It's a 10-year difference. It is, but I don't really care about the... No, no, I don't typically either, but if I'm that sold on the talent, which I I am... Uh, Gallon? He's 28. Yeah, that one... That one would make me think. That one would make Gos- me think. Gosman, nice 32. I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I've got Gosman in RM3. You'd do it in a heartbeat. I'd do it in a heartbeat. Man, yeah. that is such a test to think of how Gosman. If, I would do it. it I'll put it this if way. That got, if that got sent to me, I'm clicking accept. If, right I'm, if I'm not competing right now, and I don't think I have a window right now, I'm definitely doing it. Yeah. And if I'm competing right now, I might, like, I don't know which one I would do. Like, if I had Yuri, would I trade him away for Gosman? Do three more. Okay. Tyler Glass now. Oh, gee, you picked my guy. <laughs> and that's Tyler, the one, Glass, like, Tyler Glass now, George Kirby, and Corbin Burns. I would take him over Kirby. I would take him over Burns. Okay. Glass now is my kryptonite. Like yeah, I don't. That, I don't that one's my guy. Have a, yeah, I. But he's always hurt. Yeah, I would go. I would go Yuri because again, just because the eight. I actually think Yuri and Glass now are very similar. Yep. In terms of like per inning Absolutely. stud. Yeah, but I would just take the. The younger age at that, I think you know, take when, class now. But I don't blame. Yeah, I don't blame you. It, and I actually such don't a blame big guy that I keep like I continue looking at Glass now as this guy that like maybe in five years we remember all that time where he was always getting dinged up and now he's all of a sudden a horse. Like I just yeah. look at him and I I see that when I look at him. I don't know if that's even rational, but that's what I see when I look. Yeah, at it's him. okay. We all have you know we all have those guys. <laughs> I get, I totally get, and I actually am kind of with you too. I I really am. I. I think that all of those guys you can make the case for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just I just was thinking about it. I was like, man, there's just not too many that I would trade him for in Dynasty, but yeah. He he he's a stud. I mean, he it's all about just getting innings and building up right. endurance with him and if he can do that and not have his elbow fall off in that process, he's going to be an ace. Yeah. Yeah, I, He's one of those guys that if he breaks in like the next year or two, regardless of anything to do with fantasy baseball, I am just going to be so sad. Yeah. Like that is just going to be. And I, it, it could be a year where I have a bunch of shares of him or don't have any. But I just want to see a guy like that stay healthy. I, I feel like it's their chance to have what they could have had with Jose Fernandez, you know, mm-hmm. just – just that super elite electric young ace and yeah sky's the limit all right let's move on to the new york mets now um 75 and 87 with the highest payroll in baseball at 330 million 376 after you count the collective bargaining tax this year right now they have 245 million committed but 275 after the luxury tax is added 
Um, this isn't my first official question, but what the hell happened this year? This team had a lot of promise going into the year. Verlander, Scherzer, loaded lineup, and it just went to hell. Yeah, just real ugly. Uh, you, so many, so many things. Have we ever seen anything like this before? I don't. I like this is catastrophic. Like one of the most catastrophic things I've seen since watching ba- starting to watch baseball for a team that had so much promise just blow up. Yeah, it was bad. I how many of their guys even had like better seasons than you expected? Pete Alonso. Sa- that might be Sang- it. Lindor did for oh, sure. Oh yeah, and I and yeah, you, I mean he had a huge year. And Singa. Um, and Singa, yeah. And is that it? Yep. <laughs> I mean Edwin. It started right off at the World Baseball Classic. Edwin Diaz. Oh had yeah, that terrible yeah. knee injury. And I guess Francisco Alvarez, you could say he yep. was good for them, but Verlander started the year on the IL, if I recall. Scherzer. It's just, it was just ugly, real ugly. Really ugly. So while looking, I noticed Brandon Nemo is making twenty million every year through twenty thirty. So for those keeping score with their them and their division rival, the Atlanta Braves, Brandon Nemo is being paid more than Ronald Acuna is making each year of his long term deal. Seems pretty fair and logical, right, Andrew? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Makes, <laughs> makes sense. It's not fair to compare people do Acuna's deal because Atlanta just got a heck of a deal there buying in early and all that and you know whatever but still that just it's it's ridiculous but anyways uh Mets have a few free agents off the books Carrasco Omar Navias has a seven million dollar player option maybe he picks that up I'd be curious like if he would want to pick that up the Mets you know, with them just throwing money out like crazy, I, I'm seeing these players like Nervaez with that player option. Then Adam Ottavino has got a $6.8 million player option too. It's like anybody they could get to come in, they're like, yeah, we'll even give you this option. If you want to stay another year, it's yours. Doesn't even matter. Like going through Braves and everything's like a mutual or a team option or Miami's that way. And yeah, I don't know. Um, so first question now, the first official question is, what percentage of a chance would you give them right now making the playoffs next year with all of that? I would say like 40 to 45%. With the t- are, is, are, when you go to that level, because in my head I'm thinking 20 to 30, but I'm not really thinking about the offseason yet. And then yeah, that's, guys that's, in. that's why. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, if you say Dodgers or Braves, I'm going to say a really, really high number, but a lot of these like middling teams. And I think the Mets are one of them. I think the Mets are a team that is a middling team that had a really bad outcome this season that probably has a better outcome next season. But there's definitely things to be concerned about too. I, there's seven teams that make it. So it's not like it's that hard to make it. Um, and I think they'll probably do something this off season. So yeah, I would say just under 50% at, at least as of now, I'd probably go 35 to 40 just cause they still got an a really aging roster. Like 
I looking at some of their guys that are still on the squad, but <clears throat> you're right. Like you brought up what I was going to follow up with and say is seven teams in the national league are going to make the playoffs. So yeah, that's a lot of teams that can make it. Now Atlanta will be there. We know, and they're in the same division, but, and Philly, but you know, three teams in the NL East made it this last year. So very possible. Um, question two. Let's talk about one of the guys you were really in on, I think, if I recall right, this last spring. Uh, Brett Beatty, and, um, you know, p- people were hoping he would be one of the breakout rookies, and it didn't really go as most of those guys who took him had hoped. In 108 MLB games, he hit 212, 275, 323. That was his triple slash with nine homers and two steals, and a WRC plus of only 68. Where do you go in your draft, and what are your thoughts on him for next year? He went in round 19, which is higher than he went last year, which is kind of crazy to me. That's odd to think But, um, yeah, I mean, he needs to hit the ball in the air more. It's pretty clear. Um, I feel like that's his main bugaboo issue thing he needs to get over. Um, and, and yeah, overall, he just wasn't good. I still like him, but it's a little more cautious than I than it was before. You know, he's just struggled so far in the majors. But I think he can be a good hitter. He's only twenty three, and just na- needs to make some adjustments that he hasn't really made yet in the big. So I have at least one dynasty share, and may have. I don't know. I may have some redraft, but. In round nineteen, yeah, you're taking him like as a starter. Like, you're starting like when, him. Yeah, like when he went in this draft, I wasn't. I was like, oh, that seems early. That was my first gut reaction, you know. And I still kind of feel that way, but that's also kind of a range in the draft where you're just getting your guys. And if he's one of your guys, then you know that's probably not a bad range to target young players that could ascend. So I get it, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'll be a little less in than I was last year. I wasn't crazy in last year, but I had some shares, but uh, unless I, you know, unless I find something in the off season that changes my mind, I just don't think anything's locked in with him at all right now. No, what you just said there, nothing's locked in. Like Steve Cohen, what's he want to do this off season? Does he want to try putting the best team on the field to try to make a run again next year and he's going to make some big splashes and all of a sudden he's back in the minors? Or maybe they sign somebody to compete with him and he comes up and he's playing not playing great again and they just send him back down. That's all in the cards. And yeah. Yeah, 19. And I, don't, like, I don't know the players that are going around him yet, but... I don't know if I'm really caring to take that chance as a starting player. I think I'd rather last have... year. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't no, mean to you're good. I you think off. I'd just rather but get him in the reserve rounds. Last year, a lot of the reason I liked him was because Eduardo Escobar was the hurdle. Yep. You know, and it was just clear as day. It was like, okay, Eduardo Escobar sucks. Beatty's going to pass him up and then he's going to have his shot which is basically what happened, but it just didn't materialize into fantasy goodness, you know? And now Beatty's listed as the starter, but I kind of feel like it's one of those things where if he has like a bad April, he's just going to go back to the minors. Yep. 
So yeah, it's tricky. It's definitely tricky, but I do still think he can ascend to it. It's going to be an interesting year for him. Yeah. Very interesting one for him. All right. Question number three is Starling Marte cooked. Um, he stole 24 bags in 86 games, but everything else was down. 248, 301, 324. That's his triple slash. So he slugged 324 with five homers. Uh, 76 WRC plus. Is this the beginning of the end for this guy? Yeah, he was hurt a lot of the year. Yep. Uh, I forget what the injury was. Do you remember, my fan? I know last year it was uh, his groin. It was yeah. a lower body injury, if I recall. Yeah. Yeah, it's it sure seems that way. He was sitting around forever in my draft, and I was just thinking, like, man, this is crazy for a guy that was just recently going in the top 75, you know. But, um, yeah, seems to be one of those guys that's definitely declining and probably things less guaranteed than they than they used to be with him. I mean, lower body injuries with an older guy, you start wondering about – I mean, he basically – his fantasy goodness comes from his steals. If you start taking that away, then it's kind of tough because – don't expect the power to really be there as much. And that's the yeah, thing. He was usually a 15 to 20 home run guy to where you were getting great steals with a, some enough, like enough pop. Yeah. Yeah. I do think he's a guy that if he were to stay healthy next season, he could pay off. I think a lot of people will be off of him. Um, but I also think that there's like, he went in, in this one in round 17. Ooh, that's interesting. And, I'd be interested at that price. And I think I think it'll ultimately settle a little higher than that, like maybe 13 to 15. But I don't know. I, I think that the some of the people who are in, it might just be like, oh, it's Starling Marte and I'm getting him here. So I'm just going to take him. And then you look at the guys around him and it's like, I don't know. Like there's just there's guys that were productive this season that are mm-hmm. younger, that are healthier. You know, just like how much better is Starling Marte really than them, you know? So I it's it's kind of a tricky one to evaluate, I feel like. Now, didn't you take Chaz McCormick in that draft? Yeah, I took I think it was a couple rounds earlier though, McCormick, right? Yeah, I took McCormick in round fourteen. Outman went in round fourteen. Riley Green that round. Um, and then like right around Mart, uh, Starling Marte was like Morell, Jared Kelnick, um, Chris Bryant, Will Benson. Who would you rather have Kelnick or Marte? I just want to do that one. Cause that is a fascinating be- him or him right there to me. Cause Kelnick was all world I, in April and then just wasn't that I'm, great. I'm pretty sure I would take Starling Marte. Agreed. Out of the two, yeah. For for next season only. All right, bonus question here. Lots of prospects for the Mets could debut next year, especially if they do, like, I think one of the things they told, I think Scherzer right before they dealt him, or this is what Scherzer said in his introductory press conference with the Rangers was he was told by the Mets that they were planning on trying to rebuild for next year. Now, whether they choose to do that or not, we don't know. 
But anyway, they got a lot of prospects that could debut. Jet Williams, Drew Gilbert, Luis Angel Acuna, they're all in double A. Of those three, who would you be most interested in taking a stab at in at in in the back end of these drafting holds? Or would you? Oh man, that's a tough one because it's <laughs> I feel like with something like this, it's a complete guessing game. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a complete guess. It it's probably going to come down to the guy that happens to be the hottest or the guy that has the guy in front of him get injured. Uh, they're all similar spot in like prospect rankings and where they're at in the you know minor league spectrum in terms of level and all of that. I guess I would probably say Drew Gilbert, but I don't feel... I don't feel overly strong about it. I, I think I say that just because college bat and he's 23. He was in, I thought he might have got to triple A, but I guess it was just double A. Um, yeah, I guess I would say him, but I don't I don't feel confident at all in it. It wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if it was either one of the other two, especially Acuna. I would say probably Acuna or Gilbert, but. Acuna got yeah, the Gil- most Gilbert, time I guess. in double A. That's the one thing he's got. Yeah. Is he, you know, Williams just got up there at the end of the year. I don't remember when Gilbert. I was looking. I don't remember when he made it to Double A. But Acuna spent a good chunk of the year. I want to say he played. I mean, this is going off memory of me taking notes a few days ago. But I thought I was thinking he played like a half season there at least. I could see it being one of those things where if 2024 goes south for the Mets, if it goes bad, these three are like all in the lineup in September yeah. of next year of next year. Those three Beatty Alvarez. Um, I'm, yeah, missing, just, I'm missing that one. Who's the other? Infield? All the kids, Mauricio. you know, Mauricio. Yeah. Well, he probably will be anyways. But, yeah. I'm just, thinking yeah, of how that's a lot of youth right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think. And then if, if not, like if it goes the other way and they have a good year, I could see it being because they, did something this off season or, you know, maybe one of them's up and one of them's traded or who knows, but. Okay. That we're going to take a quick break here and we got two more teams to get through here. We're going to talk about the Phillies next. We'll be right back. Well, Andrew, I just said we're going to talk about the Philadelphia Phillies, and just during that 60-second break where you looked over your shoulder, you're um, watching and you're a few seconds ahead of me, but Alec Thomas just tied the game off of Craig Kimbrell. It is 5-5 here in the ninth inning. Is, is it the ninth or is it the bottom of the eighth? No, it's the eighth. Whew, bottom of the eighth. What a game. I mean, between that and this Rangers-Astros game, this has been a fantastic day for base playoff baseball. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No matter how that thing ends, that's pretty cool. Um. Anyways, the Phillies, they made the World Series last year. They're in the NLCS right now. They're doing something right, obviously. Um, they went over the luxury th- tax threshold this year, having $243 million on their opening day payroll. Right now, they're projected to have $209 million, and a big part of that, though, is that Aaron Nola is reaching free agency. 
And he's going to have a lot of suitors after him, I think. Um, my first question, can the Phillies afford to lose this guy? <laughs> no. No. Yeah. Uh, like it's it's so big for them in these playoffs and obviously like during the year too but Wheeler and Nola it's just so elite and so like Nola didn't have the best year but he's still a guy that logs a ton of innings and you you can feel I feel pretty comfortable saying like it was probably the low end of the spectrum on Aaron Nola for mm-hmm. as, in terms of this season, you know, what he did. So, yeah, those guys just log innings. They pitch deep into games, and they're really good. So, yeah, it, having two of those, I mean, a lot of teams just want one. And having two guys like that, no, they can't afford to lose them. It's been huge. That's the thing. They made the Trey signing and you, I, I do wonder if he walks this offseason. It's because they, they brought in Trey, which Trey's been huge for them on this run, too. Yeah. But, like, in all honesty, if you're asking me who I'd rather have right now between the between those two, if I'm in real life, I think I'd rather have the, the co-ace over Trey just because pitching is so big at this time of year. But, well, that's going to be an interesting one to follow this winter. Um Moving past that, other notable free agents besides Nola, we got Reese Hoskins, which I want to circle back on him in a second. I didn't realize he was a free agent. Craig Kimbrell, the guy who just gave up that home run to Alec Thomas. Um, Michael Lorenzen. And lo and behold, when I was looking at names off the books, I ran into an old friend, Scott Kingery, who is actually still under contract. Now, the team does have a $13 million club option on on Kingery. So I asked you this before I'll ask on this one too. What percentage chance do you, do you give of that being picked up, Andrew? <laughs> zero, zero, zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got one game in the last two years. I think I even looked, he didn't even have an, a bat in that game. He played in 2022. So, he was a pretty, he was a pretty big prospect once upon a time. I remember hearing people throw out, and I don't remember who, I'm not really trying to target anybody, but the name I remember hearing about with a comp for him was Dustin Pedroia. And, (laughs) yeah, that didn't work out. Yeah. It's funny how those, those usually don't go too well. No, I liked him. I never had a share in a dynasty league, but I definitely liked him. And, yeah, didn't work out. Anyways, Circling back to Reese Hoskins, with him set for free agency, that means the Phillies all of a sudden do not have a first baseman that I thought they were going to have. Which circles back to Bryce Harper. Does this guy stay at first base? Because I can't help but think they're better off trying to get some, but like being able to play Castellanos. Maybe Castellanos could play first, and they put, put Schwarber at DH get Harper back in the outfield. I mean, they're just known for having a bad defense whenever they were playing Schwarber and Castellanos out there. And, you know, Schwarber can now DH a lot because the DH is there in the National League, but wouldn't they be better off trying Castellanos at first and get Harper back in the outfield? Yeah, I was was thinking about this, and I have no idea. I... I would think that Bryce is better out there than they are, but 
I don't know if that means they're going to do it. I, I have no idea. I just feel like it's a, and it's one of those things in drafts with where Harper is going to go, which is probably going to be around the wheel, mm-hmm. late first, early second, whatever. You kind of want to know if you're getting a first baseman or a first base outfield. That's a big difference. Um, and I don't know if we're going to know. I mean, maybe we will, but. Not in the yeah, early I just, part. Yeah, I just have no idea. Uh, and like what I would do or what you would do, it doesn't really matter. It's just what are they going to do? And I feel like we're guessing, at least as of now. Now, maybe we'll get to a point January, February. I, I'm sure that we'll get to a point where we hear something about it, but uh, I don't expect that to be for a while. So it's hard to say. I think we'll know by December they'll say something. I should say, I think they're going to say something like beginning of the offseason. The, someone's going to ask a GMR manager, what do you do? Where is Harper going back to the outfield next year? And they'll say something like they'll yeah. maybe say what their plan is. But the thing is, that plan could definitely change whether they say Harper's going back out to the outfield, but then they change their mind on that or they they say, no, he's staying at first base and then maybe injuries happen in the outfield and they've got another first baseman they can play and they just decide to move Harper back out there. I think any of it can change. And like to answer your question, it'd be nice to know. Like I think if I'm drafting, I'm assuming he's only first base because that's all you've got. Thank and, you. Yeah, I think you have to. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if I don't you, think you. I don't think you can treat it like foregone conclusion that it's first base outfield, and then you just it's a bonus if he gets the exactly. outfield. Yeah, I, I think that's how you have to look at it. At least, at least early on until you know more. Yeah. All right. So I wonder my question number three: Nick Castellanos versus Kyle Schwarber. Where do they both go in your current draft and hold? I'm assuming Schwarber went earlier, but I'm curious how close it is. Schwarber went in round six and Castellanos went in round eight. Okay, so that's pretty close. I I was wondering if there would be an even bigger gap as I was looking at their performance this year. Um, like, so which one would you rather have taken in the spot they went? Oh, I don't know. I don't really have a strong opinion on it either way. I feel like they... Both went in about the right spot. So, yeah, I don't really have a strong opinion on that one. Yeah, I, I would agree with the not a strong opinion now that I know where they went. Uh, a couple rounds difference. And I was I was thinking there was a chance it was going to be a bigger gap, and I would have said Castellanos. But I didn't expect it to be two rounds. You know, they're different players. Like Schwarber is a three-category monster. I mean, I, it seems like he's homering every other every game this playoffs yeah yeah i i think i would i guess i would probably rather take schwarber even if it's a little higher um one thing with me that i i definitely notice as a trend is i just like knowing what i'm drafting kind of when i'm in those spots especially high and i tell you with castellanos i think he's like a solid player I've definitely not been a fan of him in the past, and I would say I've probably been more wrong than right on him, which is okay. It's totally fine. He's He's been productive. But I just 
feel like when I'm draft like a guy like him, I don't know exactly what to expect. 2021, he hits 34 homers. Let 2022, he hits 13. Yeah, I've heard last year was just a disaster for him. And he played the same amount of games, essentially. I mean, two games less. And then this year, another really good year, 29. And batting averages are always solid. I, I do think he's a high floor, um, should provide solid batting average and counting stats. Like he's going to be in the middle of a lineup, yada, 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 all that. But I, don't, I just, I feel like it can fluctuate. Like it could go from 272, which is what he did this year, 29 homers, 106 RBI, 79 runs. And next year it could be, 256 with 16 homers and 78 RBI. And then all of a sudden it's just a horrendous pick in that spot. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, but I mean, he could do this again too. I I feel like it's just, he's just one of those guys for me. I, it's hard to peg him. I feel like the minute I buy in, he's going to do what he did last year, which is a total disaster. So last year's the outlier. Overall, he, overall he has been, productive so i'll give him that last year was a weird outlier when you look at his last few years but like why did that happen and i've not i've yet to hear anybody give a good explanation for what happened last year like i haven't heard to like a he was hurt or that you know he had a mechanical like i haven't heard anything about what happened yeah i haven't i haven't dug into it too much um i know Statcast typically doesn't love him but um i haven't done it dug into him too much i typically haven't owned him much but i've never felt burned by it but yeah he, he definitely had a good season like i said when he went he was in my queue and i was definitely thinking about him so um but just one of those guys when i miss him i'm kind of like whatever yeah. with schwarber i feel like it's way more predictable you it's know, like, what I, know exactly, that guy. I know exactly what kyle schwarber is he's gonna hit a ton of home runs He's going to hit at the top of the lineup, score a lot of runs. His batting average probably isn't going to be very good. It's he's going to suck. Gonna and he's not going to have any speed, you know. So you do have to kind of um, compensate for batting average some, you know, with him. Uh, but you're getting a ton of power. I mean, the type of guy that could just hit 50, I feel like, in any given season, lead the league, whatever, you know. And To get that in round six, I mean, that's that could be solid. But – you're also potentially getting a 195 batting average and no steals. So that's the type of player just, I don't like drafting gotta, early, but I get it. Yeah, yeah. So before we move off the Phillies, I'm sure you you got the TV on too. It looks like the Diamondbacks just took the lead, so we might have a tie game for that tie series there. That's awesome. Oh, did they? I weren't. I wasn't even paying attention. So <laughs> yep, they got one run in. It's the end of nice. the eighth inning, so now they're up six five, going in the top of the ninth here. All right, one last team here. We got the Washington Nationals last and also least when you're looking at them in the standings right now. They're still rebuilding, and while they're probably a ways away still, there are some players that should be up soon that can add some hope. <laughs> Their opening day payroll in this year was $131 million. Uh, this next year is projected right now to start at $131 million, so the exact same amount which makes sense. Once I went and looked at the free agent contracts that come off the books, here they are, Andrew. 
You can count all these up and you'll get to a really big number. C.J. Edwards with the most coming off the board at $2.25 million. Then you got Victor Arano at $925,000. Obviously, none of these are relevant. I'm only just doing this because it's such little amounts that are coming off the boards here. Anthony Banda at $850,000. Derek Hill at $720,000. Travis Blankenhorn, $720,000. And Willie Peralta, and I didn't even see a number next to him, so I don't even know what he, what, what he was making. So of their $131 million they have committed for 2024, just about $68 million of that are tied up in two players, and they are both pitchers. Steven Strasburg, who was supposed to retire a month ago, that never happened, but he's set at $32.5 million, which they still owe for three more seasons. And then we got Patrick Corbin, $35 million last season of his deal. So that there you go, $68 million on those two arms. <laughs> Woof. Yeah, that's ugly. Yeah. So there, there's that. And then I became even more depressed when I looked at their major league roster on roster resource. Here are the names that I saw in their lineup right now. We got Carter Keeboom, Dominic Smith, Victor Robles, Luis Garcia. And their bench has a former first round pick that and Blake Rutherford. I remember has he been on three organizations? Hasn't he? Because he was drafted by the White Sox. Yeah. No, he was Yankees, Yan- White Yankees, Sox. Yep. Yankees, White Sox, and now the uh, Nationals. Yeah. Yep. So that's bad. <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. You know, they've got a couple bats that are in there that are interesting. C.J. Abrams, who we've already talked about. I don't even think I put him in these notes because we've talked about him a few times, but. They got yeah. And Lane, Lane Thomas had a good year. Yeah, really Lane good. Thomas had a great year. Another one we talked about recently, so I didn't put him on here. I've kind of wanted to talk about some guys I don't think we've talked about as much, and we're going to start off talking about Mackenzie Gore here. Um, had a strong April, fine May, but each month seemed to get worse. Um, three ERA in April. May was four oh six. June four five five. July six six four. And he did have a rebound in August at 3.75, looking at his ERA and only four innings in September. That doesn't matter. Um, but the monthly FIP and XFIP, you can't look at like expected ERA and Statcast by month. That's not. I haven't. I don't think that's data's there. So his XFIP and his FIP showed the skills were worse as the year went on. But he still has a lot of promise. First round pick who had a a lot of helium there in the minors at one point. So my question for you, you can define this however you want with how I ask it. I kind of leave this a little open for you. Mackenzie Gore's peak of his career is blank. I think that his peak season or seasons, I think he's in fantasy I think he can be an ace. I, I think he'll be – I mean, the safe route is to say he's like an SP2. But, yeah, I think it's one of those guys that he may have to work up to it. Um, I watched a lot of his starts this past season. I followed him. I had him on some teams. I had him on my main event team, used him some early on. And to me, when I would watch him, it was like the classic 
example of a young pitcher with great stuff that just is so inefficient with his pitches. Like wasting pitches, you know, you get ahead of two, waste two, three pitches, they're fouling them off, and you're throwing junk and trying to get him to chase. And a lot of the best pitchers, they just go right after you, you know. And he he wasn't doing that. Um, but I think, and I don't know, I don't know much about the pitching coaches in Washington, so I'm not going to say too much on that. But I think if the right coaches are around him and get him to the point where he's doing less of that and becoming more efficient, you know, cutting the walks and some of the things that have, that have bothered him, um, in the early stages of his career here. I still think his stuff is off the charts and he has a chance to fly all the way up. So yeah, I think I still think his upside is, is really high. Yeah. Uh, there's no denying that it's, it seems like it's just a couple mechanical adjustments here or there as he's just trying to figure it out. And it's been the case for him for the last couple of years, but he's made a lot of progress. It, just two years ago, he looked like a lost cause out there in San Diego. Yeah, and, there would be there would be starts where I would see him and he looked like he had all the confidence in the world. And then and like, that's what you want to see, because once you start getting that, you're attacking more and you know, just trusting your stuff and his stuff is so good that if he can just get to that point, it's all going to fall into place. But it doesn't always work out perfectly like that either, you know, so still got some some things he needs to do. But, yeah, I, I like him for the most part. So my next question also involves Gore because I went and looked at his dynasty rankings on a site. I'm not going to say the site. It's under a paywall. Don't. But um, I looked at pictures around him. And I saw one that looked interesting that was right below him about a dozen slots. If you owned a Jacob DeGrom in a dynasty league and you were offered right now Mackenzie Gore straight up for him, are you hitting accept? Uh, no, I would keep DeGrom. You would keep DeGrom? I, I, yeah, I think, I think the best way I can put it is if I had DeGrom... And somebody offered me Gore. I'm not saying that I would like hate it or think it's bad or anything like that, but I would be with a bullet like Degrom. I'm just careful with what I'm going to move it for because I still think that there's good days ahead for Degrom at some point. Um, and I also would just be picky. Like, is that what I want to move it for? You know, as much as I said about Gore there, Jacob deGrom has shown he can be the best pitcher in the league. I know he's older, but even if you get another year where he's an ace or two years where he's an ace or close to that, you may never get that out of Mackenzie Gore. So and it's really hard to find. I, I would probably just keep exploring, but I'm not saying I would think it was it was bad. I I think it's an interesting thought. What do you think? What would you do? Where my team is matters, but I think <laughs> sound, I'm kind of like, sound like you went into a tunnel there. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> I know how you work. And I think I work similarly that I'd probably rather just hold on to DeGrom because you just know that there's going to be more value in him down the road than what it is right now too. You might, 
you might be able to get a much better return by holding on to him, wait till he gets back and all that. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, if I, he I comes it. back and he's DeGrom, I mean, you can get whatever you want. Yeah, you're getting you're getting more or or like the other thing is, too, is when he comes back. And if he's pitching well or whatever, or or really another thing is when he's about to come back. That's another key mm-hmm. spot with a lot of these guys is if everybody you don't even have to wait till he's back. If it's where, oh, he's ramping up, I mean, that might actually even be a better time because if you're worried, you can – a lot of people will buy into that. And it's it's not even so much about gore as it is if I have DeGrom, I just want to get exactly what I want for DeGrom. Especially because you, you've invested a lot to have DeGrom. Like that's right. a year ago. This is a top 20 player in dynasty. Right. And and if exactly what you want is Mackenzie Gore, it's okay. But I also would just want to kind of explore and see what teams and like what all my options are. And then if my best option winds up being that, and I feel like it's a good deal, I mean, maybe, but I'm not just hitting accept if I get offered it, you know, well, let me flip it. You own McKenzie Gore in a dynasty. You've got a pretty competitive team. You're thinking you might be able to compete this year. Gore could help you compete. You're going to have to wait on DeGrom, but you get offered straight up DeGrom for your McKenzie Gore. Are you smashing except then? I'm probably more likely. Yeah, I'm probably more likely to. But I I do think it could be one of those things, too, where I'm just hanging on to the guy that I have. Yeah. I would. I would probably in that instance, look at my staff, see if I really needed core. Um, or, or like, could I wait? Yeah. Could I wait on DeGrom? How important is it? Stuff like that. Um, I think I'm more likely to just click accept if I'm getting DeGrom than I am if I'm getting gore. But I mean, they're just very different. And you like both. If, if you like them, you like them for very different reasons, obviously. All right, my Di- pa- diamond Diamondbacks just won. By the way, yeah, I'm a little behind you, and I've been looking over my shoulder. I've read about ten seconds as Trey Turner's hitting, so they, I guess they yeah. got him. Good deal. Yeah. Um, final question here of the show for the de- for the Washington Nationals. We got James Wood and Brady House. They're both in Double A, so they could reach the majors this next year. Should both go and draft and hold in soft season, and if so, which one do you think should go first? Uh, late, I think they could both go. I would probably take James Wood first, but no, I don't feel strongly about it. Um, neither one of them has gone in my draft, but you know who did go? Who did? Dylan Cruz. That's a, I didn't even ask about him. And he's a national, so I figured I'd mention it. Yeah, he definitely is going to go in these drafts. Where, where did he go? Round twenty nine. Hmm. Twenty nine. I don't. I don't feel. Um, this is large, largely guessing here, but I don't feel like the Nats are going to rush these guys, like any of them. If he's just absolutely destroying, like maybe, yes. maybe this is one yeah. of those deals. Like, 
I remember Mike Trout. I've heard Rich, our buddy um, Tim McLeod and Rich talk about this on the Prospect 361 podcast. That year that he played in the Arizona Fall League, after getting drafted, after having the big year, or maybe after having the big year in the minors, I don't remember, but he got to the AFL and he was just tired. And he, di- he didn't look that great in there. And I wonder with him having the big college season and it all coming to an end, if he just was wearing down a little bit as he, you know, wasn't uh he wasn't Wyatt basically he wasn't Wyatt Langford um at the end of the year and I wonder if he just comes up and starts exploding next year and maybe he forces forces the issue and yeah I could totally see it yeah yeah but it's possible if he's not I, I remember, I'm with you I remember hearing early um gosh it was probably I was gonna say early in the off season but that's where we're at now it was like shortly after the draft. Uh, talk about, I, I want to say it was James Anderson talking about Langford and, and Cruz. And, you know, at, at that point they were closer than they are now. Yep. Um, but one of the points, and I believe it was him, I could be wrong. So don't want to say exact, this is, this isn't verbatim or anything, but, um, about the possibility of Langford being up right away next season and that the difference between the two was that Cruz could just very easily be slow rolled and yep like we're just going to bring him up whenever um late in the season possibly because let's be honest Washington's not competing for anything nope especially like not anytime soon so I don't I think it would take something like you're saying where the hand is forced and maybe, you know, that could happen. These, these guys, him, James Wood, Brady house, they're all capable of that. And it could happen. One of them probably will um, at some point, maybe by mid season. But I think that it's going to take something loud like that for that, for it to happen on that team, because I don't know. I just don't see it being anytime early. They're not contending. They're one of the few teams, really, that it's just you can comfortably go into the season and say they're not contending this year. Yeah, there's not, not a con- ton of te- there's not a ton of teams I feel that way about because baseball is crazy and teams shoot up and teams fall down and we see crazy stuff every year. But I am confident saying the Nationals are not contending next season. Yeah. It, it, the following year, they're not going to feel ready either, but it, it's one of those deals to where you, it's kind of like the Baltimore Orioles this year. You weren't expecting it, but it kind of happened. I could see that in yeah. like 2025 if things yeah, are going possibly. right for them, but not not saying I even expect it. I'm just saying I wouldn't rule it out. But well, yeah. to me, it's just to me, it's just as much about the division, too. It's yep. It's like, you know, you're not hurtling the Braves or the Phillies or, you know. Well, you say that, but on the same note, they're playing the same, like, it's it's so split now for who you're playing in the National League and so many wild card spots. I I don't even factor that in too much. Well, but, right. I just meant in terms of record, but like they're not winning the division. Right. Right. Yeah. So there we go. We did it. We talked about all of the National League East. So we're already a third of the way through the divisions. We've gotten all the East Coast bias out of the way, and now we can go to Middle America where nobody wants to talk about. We'll either do that next week. Or we're going to circle back if your draft gets finished. We'll, we'll see what. We're either going to talk. 
We're going to talk about the AL Central or your draft next week. It's going to be one of the two, and whichever one we don't do will be the following week. I think that's probably going to yeah. be our plan. Yeah, sounds good. This, These are fun because I feel like we're getting into players and situations and still being able to put a fantasy spin on on it and kind of going through and just touching on all these teams. It's, it's good. It's yep, fun. And we're, I'm trying to pick names we haven't talked about the last few months and just trying to you know, find new names and more conversations. Yeah, it has been fun. This was your idea and I'm really glad we did it. I, I like, I was like, yeah, that's a good idea, but I didn't really think like feel strongly about it. And then now that we've started it, yeah, I definitely enjoy it. So until next week, thank you everybody for listening and take care everybody. Yep. Take care guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 